and welcome to the Ox Unplugged, where our special brand of cologne is Confunk. I'm Crispy Crow. I am Mr. J. Whip. Vulcan, you're up. Vulcan's not here, Vulcan. dude. Vulcan? Uh-oh. I... Oh, wrong person. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm tired. Fuck you. Drink some coffee. Fuck you. I'm going to bed after this. You're welcome. And I am Spar Fusil, Elder Statement of the Ox. Yes, and I'm closing straw because I just, yeah. Hey, Leon. He's here too. He's here too, but he's being very quiet. I, his he, maybe he had a glitch on his end. Yep. Well, that's unfortunate. We'll continue. Uh, he'll he'll be back. Yeah. This happens. So uh, we are talking about conventions this week, and. We decided to ask Spar to come on because he, well, he's basically a resident con expert. At least he has the most experience with conventions. About 20 years worth. What's that? That makes you qualified. <laughs> what's the, um, what's this week's topic? I, I just said conventions. conventions. Oh, I have nothing to add. I apologize. That's I okay. That's okay. okay. You can go to sleep. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, Holly Johnson, yeah. Um, yeah, well, he'll be back. Yep. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. Sorry for... You're, All you're I know fine. is about with cons, what happens at the cons stays at the con. That's not true. That's absolutely <laughs> not true. What happens at the cons ends up on their Facebook page. Ugh. Fur forest. <laughs> That's oh god no we're not going into rainforest I don't want to talk about that shit we're talking about like the good parts of cons we're not talking about the horror shows because wait real damn it that's the fun part well I don't know I haven't really seen any t- too many horrific things at the cons I've been to have you um okay I did go to a convention once where I was asked if I had any uh there was a um an Italian wedding that was happening happening in the roughly the next door um and i was asked if i had any cocaine on me so sounds like a fun wedding (laughs) yeah it was apparently a lot um uh, very italian and very uh they did actually do cocaine later by the way i mean i would imagine if they're looking for it they're planning on doing it later yeah the most amusing cross-contamination i saw between two conventions was the uh, local hotel near me had two conventions in two halls next door to each other. In Hall A was a toy and comic book collectors convention. In Hall B was a Beanie Babies convention. Hmm. So both groups are lined up in the lobby, two separate lines, and are talking smack to each other across the lobby (laughs) as we're lined up and the security guard is sitting in the middle laughing his ass off at our antics. Don't make me come over there and tear that tag off, man. I, I, I'll draw on your comic, man. <laughs> oh. oh, conventions are fun like that. Oh, yeah. So, Spara, you have a wealth of uh, convention stories, but I have to ask, I don't think I've ever heard, what was your first convention you've ever gone to? The first convention, okay, the first actual convention that was called such I ever went to was when I was going to college or technical school in Pittsburgh. And they used to have science fiction shows at Monroeville Mall. 
And it would basically be a huge vendors hall with a handful of artists and one or two celebrities, not necessarily sci-fi. I believe the first one I went to, the wrestler China, was the big draw. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is back in 97. So going back a ways. Yeah. Wow. I was, geez, I don't even, I was like three or four at that point, I want to say. <laughs> yes, I am old. <laughs> That just means you got more fun stories to tell than anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no. Uh, let's see here. Something that I can tell that it won't get anybody in trouble. Well, of course, there's um, one of the things. My major show I go to every year is Dragon Con, which is held in Atlanta, Georgia, over Labor Day weekend. And it is a pop culture convention, which covers everything from uh, sci-fi to Japanese animation to American animation to NASA to... Uh, preppers to literature, you name it, Dragon Con has it. And one of the best parts about that show, in my opinion, is we have the cigar meetup at the Red Telephone Booth Speakeasy on one of the Smithfield, on one of the uh, Peachtree Streets, because there's about 20 of the damn things. And one of the things that has happened is we end up with a bunch of celebrities joining us. Uh, they're smokers themselves. Mark Shepard, the guy who has been in everything has uh, come to several of the uh, meetups and very fun guy. Loves talking about motorcycles. And um, Katie Sackhoff joined us the one time. We were sitting there smoking cigars and someone goes, hey, do you mind if I join you? We look over. Hey, it's Katie Sackhoff. It's Starbuck from Battlestar Galactica. We're like, well, yeah, sure. Come on, have a seat. Well, I don't have any sticks with me. And immediately, like, four travel humidors open up and we're like, take your pick. Take your pick. And she goes, you sure? Like, you're a sister of the leaf. Come on, have a seat. And just sat and talked and we don't in situations like that, you don't geek out or fanboy or fangirl or anything. You just sit and relax and uh, just talk normal stuff, talk non uh, non uh, uh, TV show stuff. Katie Sackhoff loves talking about cars. Oh, that's pretty cool. So yeah, yeah, that's the fun thing about conventions is you just get to talk to people down to earth usually. Oh yes. I've met many celebrities, and 90% of them are absolutely wonderful people. The other 10% are absolute a-holes. Yeah. It's unfortunately the 10% that stand out. Yeah. Uh, Richard Carradine, yeah, nobody really liked having to deal with him. Uh, Shatner used to be a pain in the butt until Nimoy passed away and the rivalry ended. But now uh, George Takei's become a little bit of a hard ass. Uh, it's unfortunate. That's a shame. Yeah. Well, with everything going on, and uh, he has uh, gone into Chumbawamba ter territory and a lot of stuff, so that's that's caused some issues. Uh, political discussion, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A uh, politic. Yeah. That fun side of things that are just so much fun to talk about. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, shows like Dragon Con, your, your typical convention is held at a hotel or it's held at a convention center. Dragon Con is held in five hotels. So there's no actual convention center. So it runs 24 hours a day for six days straight. So you get into an elevator. Hey, there's Casper Van Dien. You're sitting at a bar. You feel a presence. You turn, you look, and Lou Ferrigno's having a drink next to you. So it's, it's just Amazing. this random, natural interactions with these folks. You never know where, who you're going to run into. Yeah, it exactly. sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Michael Rourke, Michael Rooker, uh, walking through the hallway and starting to dance with a bell from Beauty and the Beast. Awesome. Well, they, they 
they're coming towards each other and they do that. Okay, I'm gonna go left, but they both go left. I'm gonna go right, they both go right. And he goes, "Shall we dance?" And he just sweeps her up and starts waltzing with her in the middle of the, of the lobby floor. So everybody just moves out. He twirls her for about a minute, bows, and just takes off. <laughs> Oh, and the amazing. girl's like, oh, my God. <laughs> she turns to her husband, tell me you got a picture of that. <laughs> That's going to be a day she remembers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my my uh, first year at Dragon Con, I attended a panel with Bob Camp, one of the creators of Ren and Stimpy. Oh. Yes, and he told a lot of the behind-the-scenes story of everything they got away with at Nickelodeon. And when the question-and-answer session came around, I got the microphone so I stood up and I said, Mr. Camp, I love the show, but one of my favorite things was all the wonderful songs you created. And my favorite song is the Royal Canadian Kilted Yaxman. And without missing a beat, Bob Camp stands up on the uh, podium and goes, oh, well, we must sing the Yaxman song, mustn't we? So <laughs> unbeknownst to me, my friend Christine's in the back of the room. She pulls out her camera and I have video of me and Bob Camp singing the Royal Canadian Kilted Yaxman theme. That's fantastic. And at the very end, I said, well, my actual question was, what was the inspiration behind that bit? And he immediately goes, we were high. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's well, amazing. Knowing Red and Stimpy, that tracks. Oh, yeah, 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 it does. <laughs> then, and then they went bad. <laughs> well, for Nickelodeon's uh, tolerance, I suppose. Well, they were picked up by um, Spike TV, and Spike was trying to push the envelope as much as possible because they went to Stan Lee and says, hey, want to make an adult comic? goes, yeah, I'm going to make Stripperella. I remember that. Yep. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, back to cons. Holy shit, we went off on a tangent, didn't we? Um, Not quite. I mean, that's the point of of going to a con is being like, oh, I'm, and then I met this person, and then I met this Like, that's, that's the, true, yeah. That's the fun. Oh, Stan Lee was royalty mm-hmm. at cons. Security didn't have to worry. If somebody heard Stan Lee was coming, the crowds parted like Moses. It's about the same effect, yeah. Mm. That's what they called him the man for a reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah going to cons for me, it was like, um, that's actually how I kind of got started doing a lot of the comic stuff that I do, because I ran into, reconnected with some friends from uh, high school at a local con that we had, and one thing led to another, and I started doing some comic work for them, so just been kind of doing it ever since. And honestly, I've had a lot better success at talking to people at conventions about that kind of stuff than any sort of, like, marketing or shit on social media, so it, it really works you know oh very 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 much so and studios are now headhunting at conventions for their uh special effects departments oh that's a perfect place to look uh pine tree studios or pine tree pine wood in um atlanta where they do the, where they did the walking dead they are scouting actively every year at dragon con and will pick up people to come work for the studio are you talking like um um cosplayers or yes okay hmm. yeah if if because you got to figure this person is doing this all on their own using whatever resources they have in their house you take that same level of creativity and put them in a fully staffed and functional workshop oh boy yeah it was, Makes sense. With how some people are it's a good and, and see i you know personally don't have really any experience with cons 
I, I don't like crowds. I don't like lots of people. I don't like, you know, being, feeling like I'm, you know, surrounded and crushed in. And I definitely don't like traffic. So mm-hmm. that, that's kind of the thing I avoid because it's just, you know, overstimulation is a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Definitely. I can remember back in high school going to what, I mean, I wouldn't call it a con. We would just call it like a, a little swap, like a swap meet. You know. Basically, it'd be like somebody would convince like a little community center or a, hotel, a small hotel or even some few times it was even like a church where, you know, a few dozen you know, local dealers of memorabilia and comic books and stuff would all come together, bring their stuff. You'd have a few of your big collectors would bring theirs, and we would just kind of, you know, m- mose around from stall to stall, booth to booth, and swapping uh, comics, buying memorabilia, swapping things, you know, look, looking for just unusual stuff, finding, like, neat models and stuff of things that you just couldn't find, because this was back in the day. This was back before the nerd culture really kind of became mainstream, so it just wasn't cool. And that was about the level of stuff that I was familiar with. And you would also run into amateur artists who were, you know, trying to get uh, discovered, who were trying to get people to start reading their self-published or self-done books mm-hmm. and things. And so there was a lot of the those things in the area, but there wasn't, you know, and I'm talking like, late 80s, early 90s. So you you had a few of your big cons. You know, of course, you know, there's the San Diego Comic Con. You had Dragon Con, and, and, uh, uh, based out of Atlanta, I believe, uh, at the time still. And, yeah. and there, was, there was a few other big cons, but it just, it wasn't something that was just, now it's like they're everywhere. Now there's, there seems like every weekend there's a con- of some sort of convention and stuff, and it's grown beyond just like comic books and science fiction. Now it's just like all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. And now even your big media players have getting in, are getting involved. And I hear stories of just, of just, you know, acres and acres and acres of booths and presentations and things where you can go see all the neatest stuff. And that to for me, that's, that's overwhelming. Um, I like the idea of the smaller things were just like you said with dragon con, where you could just kind of wander around and bump into yep. uh, different people, not only just, you know, creators or, uh, people who've done some of our our stuff, um, that's that's the kind of thing that I would would prefer. But even still, I it, Dragon Con has even grown bigger than it was when I was a kid. Yeah, conventions come in all shapes and sizes. And I've been to San Diego Comic Con in 2012, which I will never do that again because that was a hundred and thirty five thousand people Woo! crammed into an area that definitely should not be holding that many people and then i've been to small little local conventions that are held at a public library and the small cons can be just as if not more fun than the big cons just because there's a little more personal level to those i, I, I agree with that love yeah. those we we used to run a local con here by me and it was a traditional comic book show i mean 90 percent of the booths were selling comic books in one form or another and the local comic shop owner organized it. Not only did he get the traders in that dealt in slabbed comics, the ones that are graded and sealed, he managed to get big name artists to come in in the comic book industry because he had the connections through all this trading that he did. So we had um, the inker from The Walking Dead. We had a gentleman who was the primary artist of Iron Man through the 80s. 
we had the com comic book men come in. We had Jason Muse come in. Uh, we, we just had this great draw and we would just so much money trading hands. The amazing fantasy, the first appearance of Spider-Man, the one year we had two of those walk in the door. One of those was sold for $25,000 cash on the barrel. The second one came in, was in rougher shape. Uh, vendor picked it up for 12000 and by the end of the show, sold it for fifteen k. Awesome. Yeah, we, we <laughs> the first year we had it at the local arena, we were talking to the security guys and trying to explain to them they'd never had a comic show before or any sort of convention like that before. So explaining to them that we want people to go back and forth to their cars, that we want them to buy stuff, fill up their book bag and go back and unload it in their car and come back for more. So convincing that of it was a hard time. Uh, trying to convince them that we needed uh, room for the cosplayers to line up for the cosplay competition. I'm like, hey, can you open this hallway here? Oh, no, that's the offices. We can't have anybody in there. I'm like, okay, well, where can I? Oh, we'll just have them stand on the stairs here. So I have, picture in your mind, a set of stairs that's about three stories worth of stairs and probably about 40 feet wide. And I have an S-bend going up and down of cosplayers in various costumes with limited visibility, trying to go up and down those steps as we feed them into the small uh, community room where we're doing the judging. <laughs> so oh. it was a two-day show. At the beginning of the second day, security comes up. and goes, yeah, I saw that. No, we're going to open up the hallway. I'll put a security guard in there to keep them out of the office. Route them through there. <laughs> Even even the ATM, we we cleaned out the ATM by noon, and I'm calling the tech, and I'm like, yeah, you need to come fill the ATM. He's like, what? Yeah, you need to come fill the ATM. There was 120 grand in there. I go, well, it's gone now. Get your butt in here. Oh, and he, he refilled that three times the first day and two times the second day. By the time of our second year, he's like, here's my personal phone call phone. When you need it, call me. I'll be there. I'll be hanging around the area for the weekend. Wow. Yeah, we figured the one year over two days, over a quarter of a million dollars changed hands on that arena floor. Ooh. Oof. A lot of money cons. Damn. Oh, yeah. Uh, last number I saw for Gen Con in Indianapolis was they brought between 50 and 60 million dollars to downtown Indianapolis uh, on the weekend. Wow. Yeah. I've also heard that the, the customers. Uh, when Gen Con is happening, are super fucking nice. Like, from what I've gathered, they're very happy every single time the Gen Con nerds roll around because we're just chill. Except for the first year. Oh, really? When two, oh, three things happened when uh, Gen Con first moved to Indianapolis because, of course, Geneva, Wisconsin was the original location of Gen Con. And it had outgrown their facilities, so they were going to have to shut down for a year and rebuild their convention center. Well, several people, including the owner of the Ram Brewery in Indianapolis, who is a gamer, said, hey, why don't you move it down to Indianapolis for a year? So they did. The first problem, the first thing that happened was, um, this is back when uh, the daylight savings, the time zone things, the lines were different. And... Indiana was an hour uh, behind Ohio, and a lot of people were coming from there. So what you ended up with was a line for registration that ran outside the building, past the RCA dome and down the street. People were waiting two, three hours in line to get through registration in 90-degree heat. Oh, no. Ooh. 
So that was the first thing that happened. The second thing that happened was on that particular weekend, the Jets were playing an exhibition game against the Colts. And the Jets management waited too long to get rooms for the football team mm-hmm. and could not oh, stay no. next to the RCA Dome. So they had to stay out by the airport, which was unheard of for an NFL team to not be staying right next to the stadium. And the third oh. thing that happened was on Saturday night, the first year Gen Con was in Indianapolis, every restaurant save two ran out of food by 8 p.m. because of all the people. Oh my Holy God. shit. And the two that were not that running tracks. out because they were prepared. Well, one was prepared, one was desperate. The one who was prepared was, again, the gentleman who owned the Ram Brewery, knew what was coming, and stocked up like crazy. The other place that still had food was Steak and Shake because they cleared the cooler of every other restaurant that they could get somebody to drive to and just cleaned them out. I mean, on Sunday morning, Steak and Shakes in the entire area were bust. Holy shit. Yeah. Made about like bandits though, I'll bet. Oh yes, and de- definitely. And the other one was the uh, Saint Elmo Steakhouse, which um, I'll, I'll gladly do a plug. If you're ever in Indianapolis, Saint Elmo Steakhouse is Shangri-La for meat eaters, but they have a very strict Ooh. dress code, and they were turning people away during Gen Con. And of course, the owner of the Ram, right across the street, finds out about this, runs over, talks to the manager at Saint Elmo's, goes, "Dude, what are you doing? These guys are here to spend money." Well, our cheapest cut of sticks, $45. These guys will pay it. Let them in. Wave the dress code. Let them in. And ever since then, St. Elmo's has been the place. If if, if you're a gamer and you like good meat products, you go there. Because, I mean, every cut is aged at least two weeks. And, oh, it just melts in your mouth. Making me hungry, man. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I had a four-week aged tenderloin that just melted like butter on the tongue. Ooh. Mm -hmm. That's another aspect of it. That's another aspect of cons that a lot of people don't realize is the local businesses. The local businesses love to have some of these conventions in because they make so much money. They do special menus. They work special hours. Uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana had a uh, a gentleman's club that was uh, right down the street from where the convention was. And the performers there made out like bandits that weekend because of all the guys there for the weekend. And they, had a the, the second year they brought it back they had uh themes shall we say huh yeah chicks and chain mail and we'll leave it at that oh hey <laughs> <laughs> know your audience i suppose exactly yeah yeah it's it's crazy to see how far con culture has come i mean oh yes the 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 entire con and cosplay culture has just evolved um when i started we called it someone was in costume or was dressed up oh you went to the show was anybody dressed up yeah we saw a tie fighter pilot and a couple stormtroopers you know and if you went to gen con in say 2005 maybe five to ten percent of people in costume uh now uh the last time i was at gen con was 2014 but i have friends who go every year and they say it's about maybe 40 to 50 percent given what day it is dragon con on any given day 80 percent dressed up if not more wow with saturday i gotta say probably about 90 percent it's pretty wild hmm. and that could be something as simple as a kid walking around in the old plastic mask and everything or with a, a, a clone trooper bucket on his head to huge animatronic and light up with sound robot costumes i mean the, the the power loader from Alien I've seen walking around a Dragon Con. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Hmm. The, the, the thing that I find the most interesting about 
the the these cosplaying things that because because there was I, did these anyone cosplaying even things? Who knows? <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I'm an old man. Give it to me. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I just it wasn't. I don't even remember the first time I heard the word cosplay. I don't think that really even entered the my lexicon until about ten or twelve years ago. Mm-hmm. But now it has become such a it's it's become such a thing. It is it is everyone. My my mother knows what cosplay is. She doesn't agree <laughs> with it, but she knows what it is. Um, but like these groups, like that, will get together, mm-hmm. and like you'll have a whole squad of stormtroopers. Yep, all with the full kit. You know the full get up. You know, and they they mm-hmm. fully practice in marching and stuff. I love that. I, or, the, or the one these you'll know, get a whole group of people that will all cosplay as like the Justice League. Yep. You know, with really high quality attention. That's what fascinates me. That you've you've got mm-hmm. enough uh, people willing to go in and do all these themes and stuff together. To me, that just seems like fun. Yeah, and social media has been a big uh, tool for doing that. Um, and again, I point to DragonCon just because I have the most experience with it. I run a group that is specifically for group cosplays. And we have uh, specialization groups. You have the group that is all your Marvel and DC characters. You have your group that is all your Fallout characters at DragonCon. Um, uh, Mortal Kombat at DragonCon. Uh, and they do these huge photo shoots. The, the photo shoot schedule is planned out months in advance. Where okay on these steps or at this part of the park, you have 30 minutes to get your photos, and you need to get out of the way because the Amazons, Wonder Woman's coming behind you, and they want the spot next. And the group that organizes that, oh, they're they're wonderful. They have it all planned out. They know how big the group's going to be, which stairs. Okay, well this is Voltron. They're going to have maybe 20 people. They can use these stairs. This is the ju- this is all the DC characters. Okay, they're going to need the big steps over behind the Hilton. We got to book them in, and they're going to need at least an hour. So. G.I. Joe, uh, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, uh, Harley Quinns, Batman stuff. You name it, there's a group for it if you do a search for it. Oh, I don't doubt that. Deadpool's, I mean, go, oh, good going, lord. Going back to the, um, uh, what you were saying, I mean, the, yeah, the, the people that cosplay Stormtroopers, like the 501st and everything, they're mm-hmm. so good at it. That I think Disney uses them for um, yes. stand-ins now. For... There are three stages to every 501st approved. Uh, Level one would mean you could be a background character. If if they were filming a crowd scene, you'd be the stormtrooper standing back by the door because your kit is good enough to be there. Stage two means that you could be standing mid-camera because, again, your your kit is that good. Stage three is you're up front and center. You are Admiral Akbar. You are um Darth Vader because you have the absolute accurate screen representation of that character at that time. Wow. Because when they did The Force Awakens, they only built BB-8 and one R2D2. Every other droid you see on screen is from the Droid Makers Guild. Every other oh. one. Wow. Hmm. And um talk about fan dedication. Yeah, and uh, most of the stormtroopers in the Mandalorian are the 501st contingent. That makes sense because it'd be a lot yeah. cheaper to, if you're doing a TV show, to have them than to actually, you know, pay people. Yeah, <laughs> pay people not only just to act as stormtroopers, but pay people to make the costumes and everything. Like, yeah. well, yeah. and that was for the longest time a contentious thing through the 80s into the late 90s and early 2000s. Lucasfilm was actively trying to stop production of Stormtrooper um, costumes. 
and imperial officer costumes. They were actively against it. George Lucas was not a fan, no pun intended, of the fan-made films. Uh, Troops, the classic cops parody, he was not happy with it because it was making fun of his creation. And it wasn't until <laughs> it, it, it wasn't until the original stormtrooper uh, creator, the guy who made up the armor and everything, he won a copyright battle saying it was his creation, which basically freed it up to be uh, produced. And somebody besides George, Lu- George Lucas coming into control of how they interacted and saying, "Hey, shut up, George! This is making us money. Let the guys do it. Leave him be." To the point now, he, he's grown to uh, he's he's grown to tolerate them at the very least, if not like them. Huh. That's such a weird line because the thing, because of all the ways that he did allow Star Wars to be parodied, you know, with his blessing that he would not like the, the you know, the 501st and stuff. That just. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't so much they didn't like the 501st. It was the fact that people were selling the suits and making a profit off of it. It, it was a legal aspect mm-hmm. because okay. the 501st. Uh... You also have to remember that it wasn't as prevalent back then because if you go back to early 2000s and talking 2000s money, a screen accurate set of Stormtrooper armor all said and done would cost you between two and $3,000. Wow. Nowadays, um, level one Stormtrooper armor will cost you around twelve fifteen hundred. dollars It's still a lot, but it's not yeah. as bad. And again, yeah. it depends on what level you're looking for. That that'd be like for a level two, you can get cheaper for level one. I know what, um, what differentiates the levels. Is it the quality of the material, like the detail work and everything, or basically how screen accurate you are? Uh, okay. For instance, um, for an imperial officer, a stage one is the proper color, and you are wearing proper color. You know, from a distance, you look good, but in order to go through the ranks, you're the the tucks and the seams on your tunic have to be just right. Your code cylinders, those things you see in their pockets, they have to be the, made of the proper materials and be the proper color. Your rank bars, oh, the, the rank bars on an Imperial officer's uniform, there are so many restrictions and qualifications for those things. And it's led to a cottage industry, which isn't even a co- cottage anymore because the technology that goes into them, uh, just for rank bars. And there are people in the community who are seen as the experts. If you want, if you're going for level three, here's where you buy your rank bars from. Here's where you buy your code cylinders from. Here's who can make the hat for you. You know, it's, it's really turned into this sub industry. Cosplay has basically generated its whole infrastructure. I've got a question. Mm -hmm. So in, in your experience, what is the very best cosplay you've ever seen in, in terms of, of how intricate, accurate and just detail oh well that that has to be qualified by what it is a cosplay of because i will geek out at simple and elaborate cosplays in equal measure because cosplaying is a fan art of your favorite character it is an expression of your love and your enjoyment of a thing i have absolutely freaked out overseeing someone as Sam Spade from the Maltese Falcon. And he even carved the statue himself out of wood. It was absolutely amazing. I've geeked out over that. But then I've seen a working uh, Fallout power suit exoskeleton, uh, the the underpiece from Fallout 4, where the guy gets in and he walks around. And that's friggin' amazing. 
Um, oh, yeah. I've seen a woman dressed as Poison Ivy that has Audrey 2 animatronic on her shoulder that moves around and opens its mouth at people. There, there are so many levels. There, there, there's no absolute number one. But for in terms of detail, um, we have at Dragon Con what is called the Bunny Hutch Party. And the premise of it is you take your classic Playboy bunny outfit from the Playboy clubs of the 60s and 70s, and you take your Hugh Hefner smoking jacket ensemble, and you mash those up with all sorts of uh, different genres and characters. So you can have My Neighbor Totoro as a Playboy bunny. You can have uh, The Mask as Hugh Hefner in a smoking jacket. But there was a woman who did Vincent Van Gogh's Starry, Starry Night as a playboy bunny and she had this bodice that she glued or sewed on the sequence of starry starry night all over the bodice it was absolutely beautiful and the wonderful touch was she cut one of the bunny ears off oh Mm. that's brilliant (laughs) and and that's the thing one of the things we have at uh, dragon con is the um the costume closet or the costume display and they have like five or six big competitions at the show for cosplay. And the winners are invited to bring their outfits and they're displayed in this room. And um, a two-person AT-AT from Star Wars. Um, oh. A single-person single awesome. ATST. Someone made a complete flight suit of Rick Hunter from Robotech with all the details like you'd expect to see for a flight suit. Um, my friend Paige does these steampunk mashups that have stained glass in them and all this Baroque artistry on them. And that's you, you see something and it, it, just, it just stops you. And even simple things. We had a gentleman last year who made a cardboard trash can, painted his face green. It was Oscar the Grouch just standing there yelling at people when they walked by. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Oh, it is. That, that's the fun thing about cons is you get all these people to bring out the creative side, whether it's like being at a booth or just doing cosplay. I mean, mm-hmm. oh, yes, I have for, for the longest time, especially at Gen Con, you would have the booth babes and the booth uh, dudes uh, at the shows uh, as they tried to attract people uh, to come see their product. And over time, I've actually seen them not do it quite as much because they realize they can't compete with the cosplayers that are running around. But a uh, funny story uh, before um, League of Legends and everything, when they were first starting to do the uh, MMOs, there was a superhero MMO and it didn't last City very long. I can't... No, it wasn't City of Heroes. Okay. It was something besides that. But they were advertising a Gen Con with a booth the one year. And I walked by and there is a man and a woman in spandex and latex superhero outfits. And I stopped by and I just said, how are you guys holding up in the costumes? And they they laughed a little bit. And the guy goes, oh man, this thing chafes like you want to believe. This thing's driving me nuts. And I go, do you want to know the secret? And he goes, what do you mean the secret? I go, well, I've been doing cosplay for a bit. I'll give you a little secret to wearing that type of outfit. He goes, what's that? I said, are you married? Yeah. Go get a pair of your wife's pantyhose and put them on before you put the legs on tomorrow. What? Yeah. <laughs> What it does is it protects your skin from that. I go, believe me, I know people who are Air Force pilots, and especially the ones who are going to be, you know, flying for long periods of time, they wear pantyhose or even a full body stocking underneath their flight suit. And the girl is just like, yeah, that's bullshit. I don't believe that. That no, I don't believe that. So 
next day I walk by and the guy's there and he waves me over and he goes, dude, you are absolutely right. I cannot believe how much better these pantyhose make me feel inside this outfit. And the girl's like, he's been talking about it all day. He won't shut up about it. (laughs) (laughs) There was Uh, another, there was another. That puts a different perspective on Top Gun. Yeah. Yeah. But no, there was another booth, babe, and she was wearing, shall we call it a breastplate, which was uh, rather over-exaggerated. And I was joking with her. I said, so um, how comfortable is that? She goes, well, I got to admit, there's a lot of room underneath here. I breathe really well, but I'm half tempted to borrow this to go home and wear it under my clothes for Thanksgiving just to freak my parents out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry to say all of my con stuff is extremely low. Uh, and just like maybe a hundred people. Um, That's fine. I, yeah, I play I play role playing games most of the time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, RPG cons are tiny little things, and they're amazing. Yes. Oh, oh I, I bet really like those sound like a lot of fun. Honestly. Yeah, I don't like broad, generic cons. I like mm-hmm. highly specialized things. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm uh I'm going to a horror con next weekend. Actually, I'm looking forward to it's. Oh, yeah. been, my uh, significant other and I have been going to for a couple of years now. Last year was really fun because we got to meet some of the actors from our one of our favorite movies. Mm. It's like those little things are just so much fun about going to conventions. And which movie? Which movie was that? <laughs> which? Come on, tell us which movie, Crispy. Oh man, it was Philosopher. If you know what movie that is. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a yeah. classic. Yeah. It was funny because we were both wearing T-shirts uh, of Velocipaster. We were so nervous to go up to them. And as soon as we walked up with the T-shirts, their eyes lit up. They were just like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, they were so happy to see us wearing those T-shirts. And oh, yeah. then later that day, we actually got to go see them do a live commentary of the movie. So that just made it even more fun. Really oh, yeah, going. those are great. Yeah, looking forward to going uh, next weekend. The only con I've ever could have gone to was... The one in my local state, um, where the where they shot, uh, I'm sure everyone knows what it is, but um, Wyoming. I live in the middle of Wyoming. It takes like a day just to leave it. <laughs> and <laughs> wait, that's your scale. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's how quickly can I escape? <laughs> Two week. We, by all accounts, are um. Two weeks from everywhere, mailing-wise. It's hell. (laughs) Anyway, and so the only con I've had the chance to go was like, hey, when was this con again? Oh, it already happened. (laughs) And and, uh, it was from the cast of the original Starship Trooper was there. Oh, that sounds like Uh, a lot of fun. God, what a good movie. (laughs) <laughs> I'm doing my part. Oh yeah, Casper Van Dien's a wonderful gentleman. Do you wish to know more? Mm-hmm. Desire to more know intensifies. <laughs> you know, okay, slight tangent, but um, oh boy, the, the one thing I wish I could have done last week was bring up the concept of what happens if you fuse Starship Trooper with Star Trek. I just thought we did talk about that, but maybe I forgot. Did we? Nah, you get, you I, get John Ringo's Looking Glass series. Or not Looking Glass, um, Legacy of the Aldonada. Oh. Legacy of the Aldonada, thank you. 
Um, beyond that, that's my that's my only my only interaction with with um cons. And with that, I'm tired, and I am con- sadly contributing nothing to this. Apologies. I'm no, just. Going- okay. You're fine. If you gotta go yeah. to sleep, don't worry. Yeah. It's okay. Well, I don't have to. to. Yes, you I- do. Go to sleep. <laughs> oh, no. Go to sleep. Okay. Go to sleep. Good night. Good night, man. Good night. Uh, yeah, role playing games or cons are different mm-hmm. because it's so much. I. When they're broad, generic, hey, go here and have fun. Oh, I hate it. I need, like, a focused system to do things. Mm-hmm. But, and like a Delta Green Con would be right up your alley, I bet. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they, if, uh, if they have that. Um, but when it's a kid, well, oh, they absolutely do not. <laughs> I was like, hang on, do they? No, they don't. Um, no, he, you would know. Do, they they do go to conventions, I'm sure, mm-hmm. but it's not a role playing games are very small and they're very personal. So, my favorite conventions are when you just roll up and you're like, here are these time slots to play these games. That's it. I'm running some games, and I want to play in these ones, and it's just how it shakes out. I really love when it's not. It uh, sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 I- Gen Con, Origins, DDXP, uh, specific gaming conventions. Yes. Not not so much the PAX shows, because they're probably 60-40 video games to role-playing. Yeah. Um, honestly, even uh, uh, board game conventions. Also very fun. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But Ooh. I need focus. Otherwise, it turns into, like... I I hate wandering around the um uh the the buyers hall and being like, oh, what do, anything interesting and that's fun for 30 minutes. That's yeah. not a weekend. Yeah, uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, like, or it's like I, the other option is like you go to some panels and they I'm not gonna lie, they tend to be pretty shitty. I I don't enjoy most panels. I guess yeah, I guess it really depends on the con you go to. I yeah, mean. and I've just not managed to find Mm-hmm. Um, a not role playing game, not role playing game or um board game con that mm-hmm. I mesh with. Well, and that's where something the size and scale of Dragon Con is nice because I think last year, over the course of uh, five official days, we had something like close to three thousand individual events going on, be it a panel or a party or a workshop or a showing, and. Again, I mean, I attended a, a panel where Al Lowe, the creator of Leisure Suit Larry, told us the history of making the games. Wow. Oh, yeah. wow. And I've attended a panel on the Rocketeer, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Crawl. I've been to uh, the history of Sesame Street and how they produced the show. Uh, the uh, Happy Time Murders panel was a lot of fun with the uh, money shot at the end with the squirt uh, uh, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's the thing, you know, NASA brings, uh, scientists and astronauts to the show. And I sat in the panel and watched retransmitted images from mission control of the uh, Cassini probe before they crashed it into Saturn. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Um, there are aspiring writers who will spend the entire four days of that show in workshops with big name authors just to help develop their skills so they can get their book to market. 
Um, oh, that's awesome. Artist panels. Um, uh, the prepper panel. Uh, my buddy uh, attended a panel for field first aid and now knows how to set a broken bone using some duct tape and some branches. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, all sorts of stuff going on. And then your smaller cons. I've been to smaller cons like, oh, here's our guest of honor. He's uh, the Blue Power Ranger, and he's going to talk about the show. And those could be fun, too. Yeah, and you mentioned something a second ago. Mm-hmm. You said with different events. You mentioned parties. Now, <laughs> here, here's the thing. Oh. One, one of the things that I, when I was younger, one of the things that kind of turned me off from mm-hmm. going from being interested in going was... Um, and I'm not going to name any names, uh, but there was a con that was a bit notorious. Um, that was that just happened to have been started and run by the guy that also ran my local comic book shop. Um, but the name of the con was Magnus Opus Con uh, in Atlanta. And it was kind of like a rival to Dragon Con, but... It started out as like a typical what you would think as a con, like in the in the eighties, but it eventually kind of evolved and turned into more of a bunch of parties and risque events, um, mm-hmm. things like the bimbo pageant, the slave auction, the Mister Macho oh. contest, oh. Um, oh. things Even like that. Oh. Yeah, and, and and really the whole con really just became an excuse to get up to you know lots of antics uh, antics and whatever. things yeah. and stuff yeah and then you know there it got to be a little bit you know uh controversial Plus, and there were yeah. some accusations thrown around and potential legal things that were about that that were threatened and which is why i'm not naming names or getting into details but just the allegedly yes. hearing the at hearing all of these stories of people that attended and then from and from the source itself since you know i did business with this person um it just was not my scene. That that was my first exposure mm-hmm. to what I thought a con- most of your cons were going to be, and so that kind of turned me off. But are, are some of that the, when you say parties, is some of that similar stuff? Um, Dragon Con is broken into tracks, so you have the, um, the your Star Trek and Star Wars tracks. You have your puppeteering track. You have your BBC track, which is um, all your B- or your British track, which is all your BBC shows. And each one of those major tracks will host a party, and each party has its own sort of flavor. For instance, the children's track hosts the Yule Ball from Harry Potter fame, and that is a very more low-key, family-friendly thing. You have the uh, Star Wars track hosts the last party on Alderaan every year, which has several DJs and is a little hipper and hopper. Uh, The historical track which uh, the alternate history track gets the atlanta swing orchestra to come and that's their party and people doing swing dancing and ballroom dancing at that uh and then the um the the bunny hutch party is actually sponsored by the cosplay track so you have these different flavors of events going on in addition, we have uh, live performances where we've had Cybertronic Spree come and perform. We've had Here Come the Mummies come and perform. Uh, Cruise Shadows is a perennial there. I've been performing there almost every year for a long time. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of the gentleman's name. Who uh, Voltaire has been there several times. Oh, wow. And whatever you're into, I mean, 
every night at 3 a.m., the rave starts. So if that's your, whatever your scene is, you can find something there for you. So friends of mine, they're partiers. They're, they're still very young at heart. So they go to Cruise Shadows. They go to the uh, rave every night and are up until, you know, six, seven in the morning and then don't do anything until lunchtime. <clears throat> so whatever your your scene is, you can find it there. There's, uh, of course, the uh, LGBTQ, I've forgotten all the letters now, but they have their party. Um, there is not quite as big, but there is also um, the furry uh, dance party, which is over. It, it's over in another area off site just because they have that particular area set up where there's a secondary room next door where people can go and take their heads off and, you know, cool down some, because if you're dancing around in one of those suits, you're going to switch your, 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 your balls off. It's ridiculous. Um, but whatever you're into, you can find something there. It's like for the older folks, like I said, I'm part of the over 40 group and we just take over a portion of the Hilton lobby and sit there and drink and just bullshit. Or the cigar group has pretty much has control of the one corner of the Hilton patio, which is right behind one of the pop-up bars, which is nice. And, uh, you can go out there anytime during the con and find two or three guys, just relaxing, having a stogie and join them and, you know, just talk. Sorry. I, I am currently looking up a local hacker convention. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, they have them. DEF CON is a very serious, like, you find... Oh, yes. I've yes. heard of that. I've yes. heard of that. Yes. Um, there's one for my city, and they've got the Battletech pods. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. I haven't even touched on that side. of, And I, I'm, I'm not shilling for Dragon Con, but it is a great show to go to. Um, they have a classic arcade set up, which has about 50 pinball and video games. There was another gentleman who used to come and bring the actual arcade games from Japan. The Battletech pods are there. And of course, you've got role-playing games. You've got tabletop games like Battletech and 40K. The vendors hall is four stories tall, like 300 and some vendors and about another hundred some artists stacked on top of that, no pun intended, because they're on the oh, top wow. floor. Sounds and then there's awesome. and then the artists that they, they separated the artists who are your comic book artists and your web comics they put them in the vendors hall your actual physical media artists your painters your sculptors your welders they're in the uh hyatt and they have a whole big room with all all amazing stuff and you can go and they have original prints for that that you can buy and, and canvas work and it's just oh it's it's a Ooh, you hit the lottery, you're going to lose it as soon as you get in that door. Man, that sounds like an awesome time. It is. And if anybody uh, who hears this finds me in uh, one of the chat rooms or something, hit me up. I have a Flickr account set up with all the photos I took, me and my friends took from uh, last year's show, and I'm happy to share because <laughs> the costumes and the artwork, I took photos of a whole bunch of stuff. I've got photos from the parade. It's, um, it's amazing. And DragonCon has a parade. We, we shut down a two-mile strip of downtown Atlanta, and we have 60,000 locals lining the streets just waving at the stormtroopers going by. We have a, 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 um, a bus that was turned into a Jawa sandcrawler that goes down wow. the road. Jeez. You know, we've got the That's 300 awesome. Spartans marching in formation, and the ladies do love those, and some of the guys too. And uh, we we have a Halo contingent. We have the Game of Thrones contingent, the over 40 contingent with our big banner that says, get off my lawn. Uh, <laughs> you know, and the kids love it. They absolutely love seeing all their characters come to life. I mean, the, the 
501st just marched down there and the Boba Fetts and the Jango Fetts and the Mandalorians are just waving and smiling. And it's, it's a blast. And for anyone who's interested, DragonCon TV is run by DragonCon and they broadcast all these events for free on YouTube. You can go online and see previous uh, cost, uh, costume uh, contests and parades. If you look at the uh, 2019, I believe you'll see Captain Kangaroo in the parade. They talked me into doing it that year. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and the other, and 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 one thing uh, you were talking earlier about um, how some of the cons are very broad. That's the thing. Uh, Dragon Con's 100% fan run. There's no corporate sponsorship. Uh, Paramount, uh, Warner Brothers, nobody sp- gives us money to have like a big ass booth. It's and the guests of honor, all the celebrities, they have to ask to come to Dragon Con. Dragon Con does not invite anyone. The the fans will say, "Hey, well, we'd like to see." Uh, Carl Urban at Dragon Con and Dragon Con's like well he's got to ask so the fans will go to Carl Urban's fan group and say hey get him to Dragon Con Carl Urban's people will contact Dragon Con then he gets in uh, Cybertronic mm-hmm. Spree we went to their Facebook page and basically said hey try to get into Dragon Con we want to see a Dragon Con and they're like they're based in Toronto you know that's a heck of a distance from Atlanta to Toronto and they got accepted and they're like cool and they basically built their tour that year of getting down to Atlanta and back and making money on the way. That's awesome. Yeah. There's... All right. All right. You've convinced me, Spur. <laughs> I'm going to try to get to Dragon Con this year. <laughs> okay. Well, here's That's the thing. It, it, it's not that easy, unfortunately. Um, the, your badge is easy to get because your badge is going to get you into all four days of most of your events. Housing is the hardest part of Dragon Con because got that covered. Have... I live in. Okay, then you're good because we have the Hunger Games where everybody fights for hotel rooms. <laughs> Unless you're like yeah. me, haha, I'm a legacy. I get mine automatically every year I go. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's fancy. That works out for you. Yes, it does because, um, and for anyone who's interested in going to Dragon Con, um, it is held in downtown Atlanta at the Hyatt, the Hilton, the Marriott Marquis, the Sheraton, and the Westin. Those are the five host hotels. That's the core of the convention. And you literally are trying to get a hotel room pretty much as soon as the last show ends. I will say this, and we say this every year, and people don't listen to Do not Airbnb. You might turn out fine, but every year, a month before the show, we have horror stories of people whose Airbnbs cancel on them and get re-listed at twice the price. So do not, if you can help it, Airbnb for the show. Some scummy shit. Yes, yes. Airbnb apparently does that a lot, where they yeah. just unreasonably screw people over. Yeah, and that doesn't sound like there's any sort of regulation on that, but that's a whole other conversation. Yep, that's a different thing entirely. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, sounds like it's all worth it with it, that it many is. days of cons. It, I'd, I'd love to go for like a multi-day con, but usually yeah. the ones I go to, it's a lot smaller than that. And it's it's a different. I mean, like I said, I went to San Diego, and had I known back then about Dragon Con at what it was, I wouldn't have bothered going to San Diego. I mean, it was a nice experience. We spent the day uh, going around uh, San Diego, went to the USS Nimitz, hit a few other places. Uh, the day after, we went to the con, we went to Legoland, which was oh awesome. <laughs> that was cool. But um, in terms of an actual convention, 
San Diego is a nightmare. It's called line con for a reason. Those uh, Hall H uh, panels you see, you're waiting four to six hours in line just to get in that room. Yeah, I don't enjoy that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, I will say the most famous person I met. Um, I have seen Kevin Sembieta, um, cool. at a convention. That's it. Just the guy who made rifts. Yep. Oh, yeah. that's a guy who's great. I'm hard to pick. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I could give you a list if you want. <laughs> Just uh, off, off the top of my head, I've met all three myth turns from MythBusters. I've met um, Walter Koenig. I've met um, David Hasselhoff. I've met Mark Singer, Lou Ferrigno, Casper Van Dien, Ralph Bakshi. Wow. Uh, um, just, just, uh, just different ones. And, and I will point out when I started going to cons, it was twenty bucks an autograph, and you got to take a picture with the guy with your camera. Now it's anywhere from. 20 bucks up to 180 if not more for an autograph and photos with the person are extra that sounds scummy uh, well i you know i try to get it to a point because if if you're at a convention like that and it's a big enough one where there's enough people i can see why you'd want to charge a little bit extra because you're having a lot of people come up to you and asking for stuff and that's got to get tiring after a while and certain celebrities have changed their formatting. Uh, Sylvester Stallone oh. used to just sign whatever is put in front of him. And now, if you want a pair of boxing gloves signed by Sylvester Stallone, that's $400. Because he knows you're going to turn around and put them up on eBay. Yeah. So they're specifically changing some of their pricing structure to stop the feeding frenzy of eBay. Uh, and eBay did drive a big thing of that because if somebody dies, automatically their autograph is worth oh. two or three times as much. Oh, absolutely. Rarity. And because of that, you know, when I met the three myth turns in 2006, I believe, or 2007, it was right after the show started, they were at Gen Con, all three of their autographs on a little postcard-sized photo was 30 bucks, And that was a bargain back then. Yeah. Uh, a few years ago, the last autograph I paid for was Carol Spinney, the gentleman who played Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch. I paid $40 for him to sign a large coffee table book, which was worth it because the foreword was written by Big Bird on one page and Oscar the Grouch on the other page. So he signed both the character names and then he signed his name. On, so I got basically three autographs for 40 bucks. Oh, awesome. So, yeah. yeah see, I... The only thing that almost got me to go to Dragon Con last year mm -hmm. was my favorite comic book artist of all time was making the rounds. Mm -hmm. And I said, by God, I'm going to go because I want this man's signature. And I was going to take my, like, my favorite cover that he's ever done, which even, was, which even wasn't one of his big ones mm -hmm. that everyone knows of. And I was going to go and get him signed. And unfortunately, he passed away right mm. before the con because yep. so, which is, is George Perez. Oh, um, Uncle George. Oh, yeah. So I yes. never got to, I never got to, to actually go because I mean, he, he was the reason I got into comic books as a kid. Um, the first, some of the, some of the first comic books I ever collected were, were, I picked them up because of his covers. You knew a George Perez cover when you saw it. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Uncle George was beloved by the entire con friends of mine um rebecca was a cosplayer 
for a time and she could do a power girl you know i always joked with her death by snoo snoo she's a tall amazon woman very smart microbiologist and she was going to marry this gentleman who was a tattoo artist and an artist from puerto rico who's living in florida and she happened to mention that she so wanted to get married and have a ceremony with George at DragonCon, but they couldn't afford it. George goes, don't worry about it. I got you. George paid to have them come to DragonCon that year, and he officiated a, a, a ceremony for them. They actually had two. They had, one, they had one there. They had one in Puerto Rico with his family, so, so for where the families could attend. Uncle George was beloved. You'd be walking through Dragon Kong. Hey, George. Oh, hey, how's it going? You know, the first time George saw Captain Kangaroo, he stops. His jaw hits the floor. And for folks who don't understand, one of my most famous cosplays I do is the children's television host, Captain Kangaroo. He, he ran a daily show from the 19, early 60s to the, no, 50s to the 80s. 30-some years of every morning, children sitting down and saying, good morning, Captain. George Perez sees me as Captain Kangaroo. His jaw hits the floor. He starts laughing, comes up, gives me a hug. He goes, oh, my God, I can't believe someone's doing Bob Keeshan's character. Oh, my God, this is great. I got to get a photo with you. Took a selfie with me and just kept on walking. That was George. Uncle George would just walk around and hang out with folks. He didn't care. That's we awesome. actually had a memorial tribute. There, there are photos online of the George Perez tribute where they had a large, uh, wonderful uh, photo of him on the uh, steps and everybody, just all of his creations in cosplay just around him uh, getting uh, their photo taken. Big, big, huge uh, thing. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how you touch people's lives at something like that. Yeah. Oh, man. Not really okay. want to go to some conventions. Oh yeah, <laughs> I didn't mean to bring it in, to bring in a down note. Sorry. Oh, it, it, oh it's fine. It, it's not a down note because we celebrated his life. I mean, people were sad, but there was nothing but laughter and smiles during the whole photo session. I mean, I was standing on the outside because I didn't have anything with his uh, characters, but we loved him. We and we wanted to celebrate his life. Hmm. Understandably so, you know. I mean, I can think of if I met certain artists at cons, that would really mean a lot to me. You know, ones that I, I really inspired me as an artist. Mm -hmm. So I can only imagine what it must have been for the people that got to meet someone like that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Like I mean, I just just the artists I've talked to at conventions. You know, I've talked to um, artists that have done work for DC and things. You know, I've talked to them about work or just even showed my work to people. You know, I just. Being able to talk to people like that, just in a comfortable setting, you know, not just any sort of pressure. You're just talking to them one on one. That's such a nice thing, mm -hmm. especially for something that means a lot to me, like art. You know, I am sorry to say I do not have any uh, <laughs> any heroes. It was like, no, I'm very happy that that this is something for you. I got nothing. I. <laughs> I, I have no soul. <laughs> Your words, not mine. Yep. <laughs> well, and that that's the thing. I, I hear that quite often. You know, I, I don't think I would enjoy this or that convention. And a lot of it is you, you won't know till you go because I have a friend of mine who he goes to the convention every year and he just people watches. He doesn't do any panels. He doesn't really do any of the parties. He just walks around all day taking photos and 
talking to people. That's all he does. I have another friend of mine who's an artist and she does all the workshops. I have another friend who is a uh, amateur puppeteer and he's in there with uh, Jim Henson sends down their uh, Muppeteers every year to run workshops. And he's there the whole con working on his puppetry skills. You know, there, there's something for everybody and the smaller cons, you may not have that uh, little, that, that broad range, but you might still find something. If nothing else, you can, you can connect to people in your community that have the same interests. I mean, the number of people who have found their spouses through a local oh, convention. 100%. Oh, my God. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Every year we have at least a dozen marriages, a dragon con. I mean, it's and oh, wow. get, getting married by an ordained priest dressed up as a centaur. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I should know because I had to help carry the ass into that thing. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> hey Spar, can you give me a hand? Yeah, what do you need? I need to get this down to the Hyatt. What the oh, oh okay, come on. Okay, where where's the grips? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Getting all kinds of looks just walking in the front door with that. It's like, oh, Don't mind me. Don't mind me. I'm just hauling ass. <laughs> oh my god. It's not for me, that's, it's for a friend. That that's exactly oh, that's exactly what I said. <laughs> and of course yeah. the, the guys in the front have the centaur outfit and <laughs> I'm walking behind very loudly. You better not have had Freaking beans last night. <laughs> Just her ass. But yeah, no. Several yeah. weddings. And it, it's I, I've seen a wedding in Klingon. Wow. I, I I've seen a Pastafarian, the flying spaghetti monster wedding. <laughs> Lots of pirates. Amazing. Oh yeah. But uh going back to what you said earlier, I mean, you know, people not knowing about a con. I, <laughs> I, I think that's a good point. You know, I think it's something <sighs> people should try if it's an option to them. You know, yes. I I mean, I to my first con that I went to, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to go or not. Mm -hmm. It was it was like a local comic con, and that was the one that I started doing comics at because my mom was like, "Hey, maybe you should go check this place out." And I was like, "Oh, I got nothing going on today," and you know, I just went and just talked to people, and it it was a great time, and it really got me into the con scene, you know. Yeah, yeah, and you you'll discover stuff you uh, never knew existed. For instance, I went to a con that's about oh hour, hour and a half drive for me, and I found an artist absolutely amazing. He cuts out um, pages from comic books and makes, he'll take a shadow box and he does these 3D art presentations of the character or the setting. I have hanging on my wall here, it's a Rocketeer display where it's the pages from the comic book and they're like stood off from the background so it looks like he's coming at you the way he cut it, like he's, like he's flying out of the frame. Oh, that's so cool. And I would never would have thought of that, that until I got there and saw it. I'm like, hey, I want that. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of art you'll see at cons. Just, mm -hmm. I know there's like sculpts, drawings, just you oh, name it. Yes. A any medium you can think of, someone yeah. has done. I've got plenty of art hanging up in my, uh, my place that has, I've got from cons, just all mm -hmm. sorts of different artists. Just being able to network with people, that's really nice. Mm hmm. Because, I mean, no, they'd love to talk to you if you're talking about art stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, just casual conversations, you know, sitting down and having a cigar and talking with some guys. Next thing you know, I find yeah. out he is uh, an armament uh, specialist in the Air Force. And I was given a challenge coin from his group to hold on to. And I'm like, cool. Thank you. Oh, hey, that's fun. Oh, yeah. Talk about uh, the people you meet. Oh, yes. I mean... And that's the thing. I mean, you, you make instant lifelong friends at the shows. I mean, if you looked at my Facebook profile, three quarters of them are people I've met at cons from literally around the world. 
Oh, yeah, I'm sure all sorts of people come to, like, Dragon Con, or just even the other cons you've been to as well. Just The furthest we I know of personally came from uh, Kenya last year. Wow. Yes, for oh, Dragon geez. Con. That's awesome. 23 hours in the air. Whoo! That must have been a hell of a flight. Uh, uh, Kenya to Greece to... Um, I want to. Say, I think it was Britain, and then from there down to Atlanta. Wow, that's commitment. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta go to my Dragon Con. Yeah, it was like two two days of travel for him. Wow, worth it, I suppose. <clears throat> oh yes, I, I hope, mean, I hope it is. Yeah, oh, I, I would yeah. hope you stayed for the whole thing at that point. Yeah. Well, it's like <laughs> for me, it, it, it's my one big vacation a year. I go down there, and I always tell people I'm going home because. You, you walk into that zone, and especially with Dragon Con, for five, six days, the outside world doesn't exist. No politics, no religion, no nothing. Yeah. It's just you and fellow fans. Time slows down. You get to enjoy interacting with other people who share your same interests, finding new interests. I've I've danced with Queen Victoria. I've sat down and had a beer with Wolverine. I've talked to famous authors. I've laughed my ass off at their stories. I've sung. I've danced. I've done so much stuff at these shows. And there are opportunities to meet people and cultures I would never have had if I didn't go to the show. That's yeah, that and I think that really speaks to the heart of what cons are all about, or just it, it gives you a chance to be with a community of like minded people, people that you can connect with. Mm-hmm. you know in a common interest and much like we do in the ox you know that's yes. that's a oh. big appeal of things the the ox is a mini con um where we have gaming <laughs> and we we have uh parties and stuff we we have the movie viewing if i ever <laughs> remember to get with digs and set up more of them <laughs> we'll have to but, figure that out at some point yeah. yeah street fighter has to be on a tuesday we got to watch it on tuesday oh i yes yeah absolutely but and that's the thing because especially for me um once a year i got to be with my people and it was uh it was something i looked forward to and it was something that it hurt when i left and when we founded the ox and i discovered this place it's like hey i have my tribe 24 7 and it's been such a uh it's been such a wonderful gift and I will do a small self-plug here for people uh, new to the Ox or people who don't really understand it. We do have a room here in the Ox, which is called the Ox That Cares. And it is where if you are having a bad day, if you are dealing with stress, if you are dealing with a situation, you would like some advice, please come to the Ox That Cares. Uh, It was very helpful to me in a stressful situation last year, and I try to give back to it, and others try to give back to it also. And it just shows that, as we like to say in the room there, Ox together strong, because together we, will, strong. we will gladly help you out, uh, give you advice, even just a shoulder or an ear to listen to you. But it's and it's the same thing when you go to a good con like Dragon Con. You know, I see these people once a year and I hear about their families. I hear about their children. You know, I hear about their jobs a little bit, not too much, but a bit. But we, we talk about, hey, did you see this movie? Did you read this comic? Did you read this book and catch up? Absolutely. It's 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 more than just like a, a convention. It's a community you're going to in, yeah, in that yeah. regard. And the community is we're so, social creatures. It's mm-hmm. it's what makes it worth, you know, us. It's bringing people together, really. I mean, yeah, 
Yeah. It's and, funny that you mentioned that you said the ox is a mini con because I was as you were describing what going meant to you and how and the the camaraderie and the sense of family that you get when you're there i was i was having the exact same thought it's like well it feels like just kind of like the ox made real <laughs> yes, yes exactly yeah if the ox same met time. up it would be a con one day one day we'll figure it out yes yes well, and that's that's because when you go to a con or when you're at the ox and especially with cosplay and over the 20 some years of me doing cosplay, I've especially noticed this with the cosplay side of it is you yourself as a person may be very meek, maybe very uh, shy or may have a stutter. When these people dress up in cosplay, they become that character. I've seen people who they're they're Batman and they're out there and they're interacting and they're having fun and they're they're, they're doing the uh, dialogue and they're doing the poses. And as soon as you see them out of costume, they are stuttering. They're very shy. They're very meek. Cosplay allows a person to be someone that they're not, someone who is more funny, someone who is braver, someone who is more witty. And that is such a great thing to allow them to step out of their shell and to be a new person. And in the ox, we are our voices. We are our comments. We are our memes and shit posts. And it's both a version of ourselves, but also a reflection of our inner selves, all in one. Very well said, man. Very well said. But Deadpools are all assholes. They, they, they're just Oops. assholes. The, de <laughs> dead, uh, Deadpools, no matter where you go, Deadpools and Ricks. Ricks from Rick and Morty. Oh, God. Uh, Those are two groups that uh, you, you see the cosplayers is like, avoid, avoid, avoid. I can imagine, yeah. Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and on that note, um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of running out of steam here. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to call yeah. it, yeah. But yeah. you know what? Thank you so much for coming on. Spira. Oh, I'm yes. Oh, thank thank for, you. Thank yeah. you for having me. I, I, I love. You've heard me in the chat rooms. I love talking about it. I love telling stories. Yeah. If anybody uh, who listens to this finds me in one of the gaming rooms or something and wants to hear stories, just hit me up. These guys know I love to talk. <laughs> I could definitely yeah. confirm that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And if you get me in a really good mood, and depending on the situation, you might hear the Simba story. <laughs> oh, right. man. If you know, you know there. <laughs> <laughs> Simba. <laughs> uh, All right, well. then. This has been the Augs Unplugged. Goodbye, everybody. Huh. They should make that into a movie. Like Waffle House the Musical. <laughs>